Imagine if the end of it was, you know, like those sinks in the 90s that had those. I don't even know what they were. They're were like filters. You could take them out and use them to put into a Coke can to smoke weed out of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, like a faucet that has one of those on the end. Imagine if that's how it came out. Just kind of like that stream. Of, you know what I'm talking about? Like it's a specific kind of faucet flow. Yeah. It's not like just a straight stream of water that you would expect to see in like an old house from like the fifties or something. It's like, it's got that filter on the bottom and it's got all that calcium buildup on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's got all that detritus hardened on it. Like a layer of it. Yeah. I felt his pain when he was talking about it and talking about peeing on his balls all the time. And <laughs> so I do the same thing, but for a different reason. Dude, that has got to be a very, arduous and annoying condition to have i guess you would have to pull it back <laughs> so that it's vertical with your body <laughs> how often do you how often would you say that you um how often would you say that you like is almost every time i pee i dribble a little bit on my underwear you know well, what I mean? Not 100% of the time, probably. Yeah, like I have like every time I pee, I leave a little bit on my underwear, just like a little <laughs> dribble. That's that's I hate admitting that, but I do. I read this story about Charles Dickens the other day and it described him because he died at the age of like 58 and it described him as having aged prematurely. And I was like, damn, is that what that's I hard was- living? <laughs> like. I mean that had that's how I f- I feel like I have aged prematurely. How did Dickens age prematurely? Alcoholism, I'm guessing. I don't know. From the way I understood it, he he like had an affair, and he was really concerned about how he would come across to his audience, like his fan base. Like once the press found out about it, and so I think he kind of like sold his wife down the river and like i don't know like something like that happened but like he like sort of stuck to his guns or whatever but it like caused him an immense amount of stress so much so that he embarked on like a 10-year uh talk reading tour where he made like 600 appearances in a matter of like a couple of years and it drove him to a complete exhaustion and that's how he died so he felt the need to go and smooth things over with his audience in person. You've pretty much. Yeah. And he overextended himself. <laughs> God damn, dude, that is but, stressful. But audiences loved it. Audiences loved it. It was apparently a massive hit because he like did all these voices of his various characters. And people were like, have you seen the latest Dickens? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always imagine that shit. I always imagine Tiny Tim sounded different, but that's how he sounds. <laughs> oh man have you have you seen the new dickens yeah it didn't mark twain do a similar thing toward the end of his life did he go on a speaking tour because he had an affair and he was i don't know about this part i'm not going to get into his personal life but like uh i know he did like a lot of like live shows and stuff like that so every anytime you think live podcasting is weird just remember that like dickens and mark twain stuff you should just get out there and do like 
little weird half-assed one-man shows. Oh, yeah. They just talk to an audience, basically. <laughs> yeah, that was entertainment back then. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where are we at on Mark Twain? Is he is he gone? Did, did we lose Mr. Twain in the culture wars of the last 20, 30 years? I don't know. Hard to, Mark Twain is one of those guys that's hard to pin down in the culture wars. Uh-huh. Could easily see him going either way. Being there claimed was a, by either side. Yeah. There was like a biography that came out of him like 10 years ago. And I just remember like that's what the joke about it was that it was the book everybody was buying their dads. And I probably bought it for my dad. Now that I think about there was like several of them, right? I think so. Maybe several volumes of them. Yeah. I'm living in that guy. Yeah. Did he uh, did he have some retrograde things to say about people? I don't know. I don't know what the thing with Mark Twain is. Um, well, I think he used a lot of slurs in his book, and I think that's part of it. That's why how he ends up on the band's <laughs> band books list. Well, but isn't there also like something in? So I know he was like an anti-imperialist, whatever that means. But I don't think he was like a radical by any means, right? Like, I don't know. I might have to go to the tape on it. Mark Twain politics. It's like he was a libertarian and wanted to bring back the gold standard. <laughs> Mark Mark politics. God damn it. Mark uh, Twain. Mark Ron Paul Twain. <laughs> um, many of his individual views are fairly legible. He was an abolitionist. Anti-imperialist. Okay. He supported women's suffrage. He was pro-labor unions. He was essentially in favor, favor of laissez-faire capitalism, disparaging the government's attempts to break. Please, liberal. <laughs> you could have, yeah, pretty much, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, he was just a liberal. Interesting. The radical politics of Mark Twain. Radical tea towel U.S. Why has the American bath towel become? A such a site of so much conflict in contestation. Have you noticed this? Uh, I I've noticed it dating back from when uh, it's like the most the item most people fight over it, like Black Friday and stuff like that. <laughs> That's one side of struggle. Well, then there is also like the Mike Lindell guy though, and he believes that like his towels get you drier. Because there's been this long-standing conspiracy by the Chinese government to make us more wet, I guess, to make sure we can't get. He believes the China, the Chinese are giving us crappy towels, bad towels. He thinks they're giving us bad towels because there's some advantage China gets from making us a little, just a little, just a slightly inconvenienced. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because you had your shirt stick to you. Slightly. I mean, I don't. I don't know that it's the bath towel. It's it's a contentious sight. Oh man. Oh man. Well, I've got these waffle knit towels, thinking maybe we're going to do you know something for my excessive wetness, but they're not really that good. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not a fan of those. I don't like them. I don't know why. They get wet. They like they do get all the wet, but they don't. I don't know. It's like I feel like drying off with a waffle towel is like drying off with a towel that's already wet. You know? Totally. Totally. It's just a weird material, too. It feels like you're drying off the rope. 
Yeah, that's nobody true. wants to do that. Why would you that do is, that? That is true. I don't know. The anyways, the well, I can say like that kind of towel sucks. But a family member gifted me some Mike Lindell my pillow bath towels back in December, and they get a kick out of that. They think there's something funny about gifting you. I guess <laughs> lunatics wears right, just like like grifter. Got some fresh pillows product. for you. It's all Mike yeah. Lindell brand. I've got a lot of stuff like that. Like I told you about, like when my grandpa got me like the. It was like a play in that Howard Zinn book, People's History of the United States of America. It was like a Patriots history of the United States. Hey, just <laughs> you know, just want you to hear both sides of this. <laughs> man. Man, oh man, oh man. I miss that bastard. You ever think about that? <laughs> about how much you miss my grandpa? <laughs> <laughs> Every day of my life. Yeah. Um so Mike, oh, so but the bath towels. All right. So like I used them, though. And dude, they if it was possible that a towel could get you too dry, this would be that. Like Lindell actually has a fine. <laughs> like you're willing to endorse Mike Lindell's towels. No, I'm saying that like he overcorrected like everything in the culture war. Everything is a massive, massive overcorrection, basically. Like he way <laughs> overcorrected. Like and it actually sloughs your skin off <laughs> while you're dry, making you very dry. Yeah, it's too dry. Like doing <laughs> a little bit of moisture. This man, if it was possible to be too dry, this would be it. This My would be it. <laughs> it's an overcorrection greatly. That's the latest opinion. item in the culture wars today. I just I saw think- I saw the the least talented of the Van Zant crew have written uh, <laughs> Ron DeSantis a new uh, anthem. What sweet Florida? Damn, really? Yeah. What do you mean, Van Zant? Are we talking Ronnie Van Zant? <laughs> Hardly. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the Van Zant? Johnny and Dot. They're his brothers. Okay. I didn't know. I didn't realize he had brothers and that they were like right wing. How do they stack up to him? Let's see here. What, what do I search for? Uh, Ron DeSantis Van Zan. Ron DeSantis. The thing that they are. So I just got back from the gym and they always have Newsmax on in the gym. And the thing that they are. Um, worked up over today is Disney. Like they have been really fucked up over Disney, man. Why? Well, that's this is another Rufo thing, isn't it? It is. And DeSantis is like leading the charge too, saying now he's threatening to pull like <laughs> Disney out of Florida or something like that. Yeah, they might be getting a little bit out of their depth here. I mean, fucking with the Democratic Party is one thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but but. but... Disney Fucking with Disney's Disney's damn. got kill you money and they really don't give a damn who the governor of Florida. Is. I will say I like I like this. I support it because if those people could be if the battle lines could be drawn, right, it would be like the CRT people, uh, you know, 
sex moral panic people or whatever on this side and then the the crazy like disney warrior they cry when they see like mickey mouse tchotchkes yeah um, dude like kind of people who would literally die <laughs> dude people like, people do get these weird sort of ties to it man i remember me and some friends of mine went as the flintstones for halloween one year and we went out to get some drinks beforehand before we went to this party and this woman saw us and started bawling crying and i was like whoa and she was like it's just the warmest memories from my childhood of the flintstones and this is just what i needed and i was like I'm, dude i'm telling you like a golden horde of those people would be unstoppable that's the thing like that's the thing like about these like crt like sex you know sex ed like moral panic people is that these are ultimately keyboard warriors like the disney fans there are the people who like would <laughs> they ride on horseback and they like brand shit into you know what i mean like mickey mouse icons or whatever into their skin you know what i mean to like test their resolve they you know like uh you, you know what i'm saying they'd like oh yeah they, they're, they're all these people are fucking nuts. And I'm telling you, man, it, it, I, I don't think these guys could fuck with really any fandom. Because when you start yeah. encroaching on somebody's lifelong fandom, that's a whole different animal. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And ultimately, all these people are broke boy losers, kind of. Like, really and truly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they just, they, they're they miserable with their lives. They don't like how things shook out for them. And I understand that. <laughs> I can relate to it. But uh, you don't get to go around making everybody else fucking miserable. Now, the Disney adults are weird, too. That goes without saying. Yeah. I think I think they're on the hook with not an insignificant amount of damage to society in a lot of ways. But no, they're both bad. Really, really bad. Yeah. So, like, them going head to head would be good. I think. Well, let me tell you what the Disney adults have wrought. These are the people whose basic framework of the world is goodies, fight baddies for the fate of the universe. And those are the type of people that are, are like have brought us to the brink of nuclear war most recently with Russia and Ukraine. That mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's true. Do, do DeSantis and Rufo and the boys want to go fuck with that? I don't know if they do I think, really. I think they should try it out and just see. They should try it out, but. <laughs> it's a no win. I mean, no one's going to actually emerge from that victorious. I right. mean, I don't know. It, it, you know, they'll just fight to the death. Yeah, that's and you know what? Let the best person win, I guess there. But they're really worked up about it, man. Uh, I, don't, I wonder what DeSantis is thinking with that. Like that, like threatening Disney and all that stuff. That seems counterproductive to the. I'm sure they have a whole calculus of something like maybe some old codgers that watch Fox News are mad about a Disney princess being black or some shit like that. And that's Honestly, probably what it is. It's probably completely orchestrated. Like they're literally probably working with the Disney people because like the Disney people are like, you know, everybody's got to come out of this looking, you know, everybody's got to do. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. they need to do play the role they need to play you know what i mean like yeah I, th this is probably unless something crazy happens i could be wrong but maybe it was all orchestrated to just get to this point to where disney's gonna be like and then you're gonna say that we're you know turning the frog the frogs gay and 
etc and we're just gonna be good for everybody yeah and, and so and you're gonna say you're gonna pull our special status <laughs> what is their special status i don't know i think they're like the vatican or something they've got like their own like self-governing <laughs> i think so i think it's like they've got their own zip code or some shit that would be crazy if once you step into disneyland you're actually on Di- like subject to disney's law and courts and you pretty much like, are i think what happens to you if you like break the law at disney like are you, <laughs> do, you do you get extradited back to florida and California, I guess, in the case of Disney, which one? Disney World is Florida, right? Disneyland is California. I think so. It's such a disgusting brand that I like I don't even I have a hard time even thinking about it. It is weird, isn't it? It's just absolute freaks made that brand. (laughs) All this is absolute freak. It's disgusting. I saw a video (laughs) going around recently of these like like grown adults, people older than you and I like in this room in this like star Wars exhibit thing. And, you know, I, okay. Like granted, if I was stoned and if I was just open-minded and wasn't such a cynic, I could probably have fun with this, but it was like, they were doing this like lightsaber, like simulation thing. And dude, they were creaming their pants. They were so fucking crazy about it. They're low. Oh my god, it's just like when I was a kid. <laughs> Does Disney own Star Wars now? Is that they do? Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, that may I think, yeah, that's right. I don't keep up on who owns what product anymore. I just yeah. see things as like either Disney or Marvel that are good, yeah. <laughs> Although, I, mean, I do, I, I do want to see Morbius though. Yeah, I've heard it's pretty good. <laughs> I saw Rotten Tomatoes got seventeen percent. I was like, hell yeah! I said, no, it's gonna be awesome. Damn, dude, definitely, definitely. That dude sucks so bad. Leto, yeah. It, what are Leto's crimes? Like, I always hear people like Jared Leto is a literal fucking predator, and he keeps getting roles. And it's like, that's like. Uh, like i don't know if there's like an actual crime he's ever been like i know he's like part of a sex cult or whatever which is <laughs> right and he definitely needs to go to prison for starting 30 seconds to mars but uh <laughs> i just i don't know if there's are like you taking actual... the contrarian stance on leto dog no i just like it's one of those things like i know this is a bad guy but i don't know exactly what he's accused of i see Wow. Well, if I, it's not my job to educate you, sir. Well, I need to. Okay. All right. I hear you. <laughs> I'm gonna sit my sit my non-Italian ass down and listen. Ari Leto. <laughs> I don't know. I think he like. To, I think he has a sex cult, and they hang out at a former military base. I think that that's the thing in my head that I think of when I think so I mean so it's like every celeb has this right and I was trying to remember what Mark Twain's was a second ago obviously Charles Dickens is he cheated on his wife with a mistress in Victorian England and it was a scandal uh so it's like what is yeah I don't know what Leto's thing but but that is the thing that I think of when I think of him yeah starting the band polyphonic spree they all dress. 
No, no, but they all dress like him. Oh. Did you ever, did you ever get into that band? Huh. Damn, damn, you missed out. You missed out. Oh, is that a, that Christian band? You a wonderful on chapter band? in American pop music. Oh, yeah. They were really bad, dude. Yeah, I just, there's a lot of guys that are like vaguely bad, but I but sometimes I'm like, are you sure you're not mixing him up with James Franco in terms of like his crimes? Mm. Wow, so you don't think Franco, dude? No, let's, I don't. No, I can do this. I'm not let's saying fucking... Leto's a good guy. I'm just saying that sometimes in the in the sort of knee jerk reaction to point out everybody's bad, you just forget that. Okay, maybe. <laughs> And I don't know. Somebody's probably going to chime in and say, actually, he's like a known rapist and pedophile or whatever. In which case, I'll say, okay, then I, whatever. I'm just saying, like, some people just have the stink of having done wrong, but they've not committed a crime and, you know, or not been accused wow. of a crime. Wow. Wow. I see. I see. I mean, I could see Leto chatting up 17 year old fans on Instagram when like 30 seconds to Mars is coming through Des Moines, Iowa or something like that. Wow. I could see that. But so what you're what you are advocating for here is do I'm not advocating for anything <laughs> first and foremost I I just want the dirt man <laughs> just tell me what it is <laughs> I bet you, you can't find- just say somebody's like a known predator like you got to zero in on like what exactly was like the, the thing, thing that makes him a predator I think Franco was that he was teaching in school and using his like position to he was being a creepy prof a creepy a creepy professor right you know what i'm saying yeah it's kind of yeah it's like come on dude like yeah i mean so i if everyone is you know of age everything everyone's consenting i think that's fine there are critiques to be made of it for sure but uh but well maybe it's not fine. <laughs> i don't <laughs> no i don't know i guess not like you are in kind of a position of power over somebody um but at the same time but if but if you're as beautiful as jared leto you're always going to be in a position there's always going to be an imbalance you know what i mean that motherfucker is a literal <laughs> vampire he's like 60 and looks like he's 25 so are you saying that being hot is inherently being a predator this is the line i wanted to walk you up to this whole time <laughs> no, I just I, I was throwing that out there for fodder. I think the whole thing is ridiculous. And I'm again, I don't even care for Jared Love. Not defending anything. I just I see like uh, another Jared Leto movie, and everybody's forgetting that he's a literal fucking predator. And I'm like, okay, well then, what was it that makes him that? You know what I mean? I just want to know. Point it out. <laughs> but I think a lot of the people that tweet shit like that have actually forgotten themselves. The thing is, dude, the reason that we don't know. What is that noise? Can you hear that? The reason that we don't know, I think, is because we never open the tweet and read into the thread. Me personally, I don't. I see thre- I see the thread and I'm like, I've got to get out of here. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Doubly worse if they put the thread emoji in there. Yeah. Definitely. Damn. I think my mic is fucked up. All right. We're good now, I think. But I had that moment when House of Gucci came out. I was like, man, how's this motherfucker keep getting roles? And then I realized after I was 
throwing shade at him. I was like, actually, I don't even know if this man's done. I, the sex cult's bad. Okay, let's just say that right up. Talking about that's Adam not, Driver. That's no good. No, Jared Leto is Paolo Gucci. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I read a really great article this morning about challenging the dogmas and um, narratives that are dominant in culture right now. You want to read an essay about cancel culture? How do you feel? How do you feel? If we must, I I mean, I'll do it with you. I don't care. I think you're going to like this one. I think it's what only if you're game, if you're not game. Okay, there's plenty of other you've you've tricked me into Jared Leto apology apology. So <laughs> that's what I was trying to do, dude. See, I'm fucking I'm I'm manipulative like that, dog. I can I can like just move people around like a master chess man. Oh, God damn. Just let's read. This I'm thing. just I'm, I can just <laughs> I'm just I'm a uh, shrewd. It's Machiavellian. That's really what it is. That's the first adjective comes to mind when I think about you. It's Machiavellian. Yes. <laughs> Come with me. He'll marry. Okay. Um, All right. Let's try this article. But first, I'm going to switch this mic cord out and I'm going to okay. go pee. Go for it. I remember the Alamo. No, I don't. Just kidding, because it never happened. (laughs) Man, oh, man. It is crazy how much I love beverages, Tom. You're drinking fluids these days? I'm just... Well, you hydrated these days? I've got the sparkling water. I've got tea. (laughs) God damn, son. I've got water. Yeah, steel flat and tea. Dude, this is why I need like a Alex Jones type situation. I could just go all day, man. I just I could just sit at a desk all day with sparkling water. Put a, put a catheter in you and just like let it roll. Yeah, man. This is my dedication to the craft. All right. I get really into it. I would I want to like basketball player who's like that brings like a power eight a gator <laughs> <laughs> yeah three or four different bottom and water right, right but also maybe a coffee <laughs> yeah yeah just perk him up there's no equivalent to me that what i am to podcasting there is no equivalent out there in the sports world i'm the only one who does it like me Really? I wish guys still smoke cigarettes in the locker room before athletic contests. That would rule. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. You don't say that much anymore. It kind of went out with like the tight shorts, you know? Yeah. Just walking out of the uh, tunnel, just like <laughs> smoking. Just a having a drag before you go out there <laughs> and play 48 minutes. Yeah. Flaking it. Flicking it into fucking some shit fan. Yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, all right, dog. I had, I read something this morning that I thought my friend Tom might like to read this <laughs> on our program. We have together <laughs> on the program. We do it again. <laughs> all right. This is in the Atlantic. This is in, you know, I'm, I'm going back to an old trough. Um, as a hunter gatherer, you know, you of content, you go, to the places that you know 
you're gonna find some good shit. That's right, baby. And so I went to the ideas section in the Atlantic. They had a pretty good article. And so let me just state right out the gate. Uh, I don't think this is an awful article, I guess, but the tone of it is so I don't I can't really pin down what it is, but it is a very strange. I mean, obviously, it's about kind of being a martyr. So like uh, any time that you write an essay about how much of a martyr you are, and I'm saying this from lived experience, having written essays about how much of a martyr I am and how bad it is for me. I, you know, it's a hard line to walk. It's hard to pull that off without sounding and in, sounding inherently whiny. Right. Right. But this one kind of this one sort of fails to do that, which I thought was kind of surprising. Anyways, it's a lot of buildup. This is in the Atlantic. Uh, it's called The Things I'm Afraid to Write About. Fear of professional single. <laughs> it's not. I wish he is part of the milieu that I think that a lot of these writers come out of. Fear of professional exile has kept me from taking on certain topics. What gets lost when a writer mutes herself by Sarah Hippola. All right, Sarah, what do we got? All right. One evening, I sat on the brown leather couch of a younger man who admired me for my writing and maybe other things if these salty text messages were true. Salty. Salty. I thought that was a kind of a strange thing, too. I was like, maybe salacious might work better there, but salty, salty I thought was... Salty seems like he's mad at you. <laughs> he's like being short with you. Right. Or right whatever. Right. I get what you're going for. I get it, Sarah. You're hot. <laughs> it's kind of a fumble right out the gate. You kind of hate to see it. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> so I don't know. Just, you know, keep that in it's, mind. Yeah, I, I could see <laughs> Salty being shorthand for Salacious like in 1968. Which like a... <laughs> and to be fair, it could be like an editing thing. Like maybe it just got past an editor and she was like just too shy to like send him like an email like hey you got this wrong because you know i'm i don't do that either i'm like too shy to do that but yeah you just gotta let it ride unless it's something really really important like the first sentence of an article then right you might have to um he came from a different generation but i was pleased to discover that he shared many of my unconventional opinions and favorite authors that taste and perspective weren't necessarily a matter of the year you were born Joan Didion, Carl Sagan, Christopher Hitchens, though I had more reservations about that last one. Books were a common pleasure point, and I was eager to tell him about a literary party I'd recently attended in New York City before I'd once lived and often visited. Haven't we all had enough of the Verso Loft by now? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, yeah. You're cool. We get it. You go yeah, to literary you go parties. To cool literary parties. Okay. <laughs> Uh, where I'd once lived and often visited in the before times, before times is capitalized. I kind of consider that like a hack thing. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I mean, it's fine, but it's kind of annoying. It's kind of just like a saying that like. I would have I wouldn't have gone with it as an editor, I would have pushed back a little bit on before. times. <laughs> yeah. Before what? Christ? What were what we, what we going for here? <laughs> right. You. COVID may have been the single most traumatic thing in your life, but for me, 578 BC (laughs) COVID wouldn't even raised any eyebrows in Judea. 
This was 2018, and the party was an informal gathering at the sumptuous Brooklyn Brownstone of a writer deemed problematic even before that word went mainstream. The funniest goddamn thing about this article is that, or the paragraph, is that by the end of this paragraph, you will know exactly who she's talking about. But she I knows. can already tell it's Juno Diaz. Close. Close. I, I was, that was my guess, right? I thought this was kind of like a weird way to flex. Is Juno Diaz a cancel guy, cancel culture guy now? I don't think he's a cancel culture guy. I think he, he got he kind of got canceled for a bit. Canceled, yeah, for some advances or whatever. Um, this was 2018, and the party was an informal gathering at the sumptuous Brooklyn Brownstone of a writer deems problematic, even before that word went mainstream. Okay, again, I take issue with that. Problematic uh, was mainstream. By Charles me. Charles Dickens. Huh? <laughs> Right. Her place was filled with hardback books and writers who had been invited because they danced on the precarious edge of what was considered appropriate. Like, dude. Oh, so this these are the bad. <laughs> these are the bad boys of the literary world. They're hanging out. Huh? <laughs> Just the edgiest motherfuckers alive. <laughs> these are the these are the bad boys, of, the bad boys of letters of American letters. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, her place was filled with hardback books and writers who had been invited because they danced on the precarious edge of what was considered appropriate. A New York Times columnist who would eventually be publicly excommunicated. Like, OK, this is obvious, obviously very wise. Correct. It seems like it would be. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I don't I can't really think of any New York Times columnists in recent memory who have been. In Wait, what words. was that? What was the dude? There was that dude that was handsy at parties that kind of got the axe. What was his name? Jonathan. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? I thought. Yeah, I thought that this dude wrote. This feels okay. closer to Barry Weiss, though. Deemed problematic. Da, 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 da. Publicly excommunicated. Is what she said. She was publicly driven out of society. A letter stamped driven out of society head. and right onto the Bill Maher program. <laughs> mm. A journalist whose delightly, delightfully combative Twitter account I read regularly like an episodic novel. Oh, I didn't deserve nice. to be there. <laughs> or at least that's how I felt as guests exchanged war stories about the scolds on social media, where I mostly posted upcoming appearances like a bot run by a PR firm. But in what? But in 2015, I'd written a memoir that introduced some controversial ideas about women and drinking, and I badly wanted to be a part of their rogue outfit, even as I clung to the more doctrinaire one I'd long considered my own. I was so proud of this small private act of civil disobedience that I brought it home to Texas to show it to the younger man like a prized pelt. But the conversation didn't go as I'd planned. So now we break into a uh, dialogue. So why are, were you there again? He asked. And like, this is kind of confusing to me. There's kind of like an error in continuity here. Like, I thought she was having this conversation at the party, but apparently maybe she was on a date later with this young guy who never comes back up in the novel or in this story, by the way, like it's just like a character, but like where it does come back once towards the end. And so like, you think that there's going to be some resolution to this part of the story, but there's not. Sounds anyway. like he's getting ready to do 
do a classic blunder and that's knock himself out some pussy by uh, <laughs> talking about Christopher Hitchens. By talking about by by by, by go leaning too hard into his belief system. <laughs> that's just my prediction. I don't know. Keep going. Yeah. So why were you there again? He asked. Because I wanted to talk to other writers about the things you can't write about anymore. His eyes narrowed. What things can't you write about? Gender, sex, politics, the things you and I discuss. He ran a hand through his hair. I think those were the most, I think those would be the most interesting things to write about. I gave him uh-huh. an exas- <laughs> this is uh, This is also, this is also the problem with 23 year old Dick too. As somebody that once was a 23 year old Dick and did things like this you just think you're joe yeah. cool man and you're really <laughs> dumb as shit right I'm, I'm losing the amount of hair i can run my hand through and that's oh, called yeah. wisdom so that's called wisdom yeah um i i, lo- I love that though that sentence right before that uh he his eyes narrowed what things can't you write about her gender sex politics the things you and i discuss like who talks like that oh we (laughs) talk oh i think those are the most interesting things to write (laughs) just you were just imagining you or i doing that with our like fading hairlines (laughs) (laughs) my top of my head looks like somebody just drew lines on it at this point and it's like me just doing this and then coming down the handful of like hairs that have <laughs> left that my scalp. Off in the wind. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Running my hands through my hair and look like somebody blew out of one of those goddamn, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh my fucking god. She can see straight through like just the, the sheen of your scalp. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh god damn. Just a little hair loss humor. You just got to laugh through the pain. Yeah, yeah. Just got to laugh through the pain. Man. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, Yeah, I think those would be the most interesting things to write about. I gave him an exasperated look. Are you kidding? I'd get killed. His look wasn't judgmental. I'd say it was disappointed. What he said was slow and careful, and I've never forgotten it. But I thought that's what writers do. <laughs> Okay, one riders as a group, and uh, just anyway, keep going, dude. You're right, like uh, uh, the most self serious. Like it's like uh-huh. man, you write a book and it ends up in the fucking bargain bin unless your name's fucking. <laughs> you're like one of five people. You know what I mean? Right. It's like chill out. Just riders as a group. <laughs> yeah. I thought that's what writers do. Yeah. Yeah. This, you're shirking. I you're, see what she's done now. She's she what she's doing. She's preying on the younger man, like the younger bookish guy, handsome guy uh-huh. that still thinks the pen's like a sword. You know, dude, it is true. Like she met me at 22, presumably by her like bio in this. She's quite a bit older. I mean, I'm not hating. You know, I mean. Me and you just discussed James Franco's activities like candidly and honestly for the audience to hear. And if you didn't like it, well, I'm sorry, but we did it nonetheless. <laughs> and... Now, why? Because we're writers and we tell the truth <laughs> because we tell the truth. 
so yeah, so she's pointing out that she has a social responsibility here, right? Her social responsibility is to tell the truth, to talk to not only that, to talk about the most uh, controversial things, gender, sex, and politics. Those those famous things you could definitely discuss at dinner. (laughs) That have just slowly over the last. 10 years become the, the only things that the only thing you talk about. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, I remember a time in the 90s. If you asked somebody who you voted for, that was considered rude. <laughs> right. Um, like me, the younger man had fallen in love with art because it was the place where people told the truth. <laughs> I grew nah, up. Let <laughs> me just tell you about this younger man. He isn't in love with art. He is in love with the aesthetic of the man of letters, and he's trying to get some pussy. Exactly. (laughs) I'm just speaking from experience. Bottom line, reading sucks. (laughs) Well, she like lets it slip earlier that this is a Tinder date. And so it's just like very much. It's even more obvious. And maybe that's what she was going for, I guess. I don't know. Maybe maybe that went over my head. Maybe I am such a Puritan that I was like, well, oh, man. But I don't know. It was just like imagine uh, being a young woman getting on Tinder and landing a date with like fucking Dean Koontz or I don't know <laughs> James Patterson, <laughs> one of those guys that just like writes a book a week, you know. Right. And then winding up in an article, uh, like me, the younger man had fallen in love with art, with the art because it was the place that people told the truth. I grew up reading Edgar Allan Poe. Poe, sorry. <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe, alcoholic, married his 13-year-old cousin, dancing to James Brown, domestic abuse, alleged rape, watching Woody Allen movies is Woody Allen. <laughs> like, these are asides after each one. Man, damn, that, that was brutal. Even doing it out loud was really hard for me to do. Artists were the weirdos and the scoundrels, the square pegs who never fit the round hole of society. And the result was typically a bucket of addictions, perversions, and bizarre predilections born of life on the outskirts. But my cohort and I had grown up wanting it both ways, a safe career and an artistic one. We wanted the premium scotch and the bragging rights of being an outsider. (laughs) This is good shit, dude. You have to understand that when I read this article this morning, I savored every drop of it. Like you didn't want it to end, so you just read it real no, slow. I know. I read it slow. I savored every content. <laughs> it's so bad. And it's like such a sort of exhibition or look onto the interior life of someone. And they have no idea that they've just kind of like, you know what I'm saying? Like you're kind of embarrassed for them. Like, damn, like an editor let you. Oh, fuck. Okay, that's there, bro. <laughs> So you don't know this. But somebody did you a disservice. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I carved out a journalism career doing an era when that was not so hard to do. My friends and I at the alternative paper in Austin, Texas, the Austin Chronicle, by the way, which is like I used to live in Austin. It's a pretty ubiquitous thing in Austin. But like, I don't know, like I didn't really read the politics parts. Like, I guess they could have been all over the place politically over those years. I thought they were just like liberal. Um, uh, my friends and I at the old paper in Austin, 
Texas sat around long communal tables at dive bars, arguing about pop culture, trying to one up one another with off color jokes as we downed pint after pint. When I could quit. Okay. I have to note before I go on that earlier she mentioned she had written a controversial book about women and drinking. Did I, did you hear me say that earlier? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. I don't know what is in this book. Um, but like she refers to it multiple times as like this controversial thing that stirred up controversy. Her and I wish about I, women drinking. I guess so. It's called Black Are you there, God. It's me, Chelsea Handler. <laughs> Um, blackout it's called blackout remembering the things I drank to forget and I don't know man maybe it's kind of like uh, for Sarah Hepola alcohol was the gasoline of all adventure it's like it's about getting sober but I think it's about maybe about like the kind of Brock Turner stuff remember that the like swimmer rapists yeah and then like the Brett Kavanaugh stuff too but you know what I'm talking about like like it was kind of like it was kind of like this conservative line that like, well, if if they didn't want this to happen, women shouldn't get blackout drunk or something like that. You remember you remember that when they were like saying that stuff around like the right. right. Yeah. Like in the yeah, the Kavanaugh here. Right. Like, yeah. Right. 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 I think it was it may have been playing off that like discourse a little bit. Yeah. Know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. Um. So anyways. Uh, when I quit drinking in 2010, bringing to an end a dark history of blackouts and tumbles down staircases, I thought I might lose my writing career. It's kind of mind boggling to contemplate that not pouring a beer on a stranger's head would be the bad career move. But such was the fierce community forged by booze that I feared exile. Instead, my writing grew better, stronger, more clear headed, and the writing community changed. Fewer open bars, more closed DMs. But admitting what I really thought, what I really believed about these complicated issues, I feared a similar exile. As jobs in this industry diminished, journalism had become even more cutthroat. Writers gathered around the long communal table on, of Twitter, and some days it felt like the last scene of Reservoir Dogs, everyone turning their guns on one another. I'd spent the past Wow, five wow, thanks. <laughs> Maybe I hadn't seen Reservoir Dogs. I'd spent the past... I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Just because... It's such a widely it's a reference that everyone's going to know. And I guess if that's the audience you're shooting for, but it goes back to uh, the use of before times earlier. I don't know. Can't have it both ways. <laughs> I'd spent the past five years or so watching celebrities, pundits, friends and Internet randos fall from grace for reasons as varied as sharing dumb jokes, making clumsy writing errors, accidentally showing their dong. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like Anthony Weiner slipped on a banana peel and showed his <laughs> dick to a teenager. <laughs> As someone with a dong, it's generally pretty easy to keep it contained. <laughs> and I guess unless you've got the particularly if you got mine. If you've got the one with the hole on the bottom. I mean, that, that might be the one instance where that guy's so inconvenienced. It might it might just have to be. <laughs> You know, it might require a little extra maintenance. That's all right. And that, hey, listen, and that's all right. Yeah. Don't apologize for it. Accidentally showing their dong and expressing controversial, though often widely held opinions in the public execution chambers of social media. The problem. OK, there's a few things. <laughs> what, what, you have an inflated sense of what exactly Twitter is. OK, 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's not a public execution chamber. Exactly. And like, this is the thing that they can never thread. This, this article is a prime example in this central contradiction. Like if cancer, if cancel culture is real, <laughs> then it means culture. Ca- cancer culture. <laughs> I'd say that's pretty well established this point. <laughs> Cancer culture is real. And at this point, <clears throat> it's doing pretty good. Um, but no, there's like this disconnect between the fact that, like, as she just said here, accidentally showing their dong and expressing controversial, though often widely held opinions in the public execution chambers of social media. Like, they're always saying that, like, oh, average yes. everyday people yeah, actually hold these that. views. This is the way that average everyday people talk. The elitists are the ones who are imposing woke culture on that. Or you know what I'm saying? But like when it's actually the exact opposite. (laughs) Yeah, When you're going to uh, parties with the bad boys of bad boys and girls of American letters, (laughs) maybe it's you that's not, you know, sharing like the normal sort of takes and opinions and stuff. Right, right, right. That's it. That's the thing. Like they kind of always claim to be like the tribune of what people really think. You know what I mean? Like a tribune of the plebs culturally. Like, oh, people really think this. But it's just like, okay, a nobody knows who you are. But b the only the only. Yeah, that's right. One, you have an inflated sense of self. (laughs) That's number one. Right. But b, 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 I feel like every time a writer writes one of these articles. And I've seen it happen to many people, many writers who were Gen X writers over the last like writers who were popular when we were like in high school and in the year in college. You know what I mean? Like Taibi and Greenwald and all these others, like every time they write an article like this, like a screed, it means you, it's like a it's like a layer of detritus or something like in the rock layer. Or You know what I mean? Like you can see yeah. where they've aged out of a certain audience you know what i'm saying like they've become disillusioned and they can't keep up any longer with the social media and the discourse and everything so yes it's it's the classic meme of what's his name on simpsons like oh surely it's the kids who are wrong right (laughs) well that's the thing kills me about like oh the the public execution chambers that are twitter and social media whatever like the thing is like everybody else is an asshole but one thing that's never taken to task is your own impulse control. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, you just can't even say anything anymore. Well, it's not that. It's just that <laughs> people can feel they want to about it. Exactly. Exactly. Like, if you want to say anything, fine. I mean, that's the way it actually already is. It's like the right. New York Times editorial board wrote a, you know, like they wrote like an editorial a couple of weeks ago about like how uh, like free speech should mean that you should be able to say anything without consequence. <laughs> it's just like, okay, you, you already can basically, but to the extent that that's completely warped and absurd, like, no, I mean, yeah, you should, the, the state should not repress you from saying anything, nor should corporations or anything like that. But at the same time, if you want to say something that you think is going to piss off a lot of people, if you want to play fast and loose like we've done, if you want to be, be brave truth tellers, you just got to go for it. <laughs> Shoot from the hip. You just got to go for it. And, and consequences. The chips fall where they may. <laughs> I face consequences for things I've said. No, yeah. We all have battles. I mean, I mean, honestly, that's the thing. It's just like, yeah, like we all if you actually honestly want to engage with something, then you will uh, go through that process. If you, I mean, like if you're an honest writer operating in good faith. <laughs> 
obvious. The only people I don't engage with are the people that start sentences with yikes <laughs> and as a insert. Or the people who start sentences with, I mean, that. <laughs> yeah. Anything there's you're getting after, I mean, it's not. There's good. a lot of there's a lot of preambles <laughs> to takes that I just don't engage with. And those are like the three biggies. <clears throat> uh, so anyways, um, I'd spent the past five years or so watching celebrities, pundits, friends and Internet randos fall from grace for reasons versus as varied as sharing dumb jokes, making clumsy writing errors, blah, blah, blah. There had been more grievous allegations, of course, rape, pedophilia, physical abuse. But so many of these spectacles could be group, grouped under a more mundane heading. You can call it cancel culture. You can call it justice. All I know is that I hated it for five years. I kept very quiet about it. Everyone kept quiet, save for the brave few who did not. My writer friends and I huddled backstage at panels in green rooms filled with chocolate chip cookies and veggie platters. Whispering Imagine about her, Barry Weiss. <laughs> Jordan Peterson, just a veritable who's who, you know, of the weary of the cancel culture thing. And they're just like getting in huddles like one, two, three break. Like, has it never occurred to her that these people all hang out together because they all share similar views? It's not because they're all like brave truth tellers and they've all been cordoned off like that by society. Like people just gravitate to each other when they have similar views. Um. Yeah, yeah, just the image of them huddled backstage with chocolate chip. Just the details, too, man. Just, like, the little details, like chocolate chip cookies and veggie platters. Like, that you, that you know what I mean? Like, you know we're put in there to make it seem more riderly and more like, I'm a fucking badass. <clears throat> Whispering about everything we couldn't say out there in the scary beyond. During the resistance movement of 2016... A friend's book about feminism got dropped in part because her feminism wasn't the right kind for the Trump era. It is very wise. (laughs) Surely. In the pandemic madness of 2021, a journalist friend who enjoyed sounding off on science and homeopathy decided to stay the hell away from COVID. Like, oh, right. That, that, that's not punishment. It's just like deciding not to talk about something because you haven't fully formed your, opinion on it yeah i don't know i understand kind of the outrage just having a show where you have to like go out there and have an opinion on things um but i mean i think most people are generally pretty patient and just pretty understanding like yeah day to day week to week like your idea on something it changes a lot probably based on our own upbringings and experiences but like sitting down to write about something like Writing is a very intense creative act. It takes a lot of concentration. You know what I'm saying? Like it right. is something <clears throat> if you want, like I said earlier, you want it to be like good and taken in good faith and like honest, like you'll spend months and months on it. Uh, so it's like, you know, if you feel like a, a certain way about a controversial thing and you go and you spend months and months trying to flesh out that idea and write about it, like you should be subjected to some pretty, like severe criticism or at least some like, very it's, intense it's, criticism. Yeah. or no, It's like, do you really want to like, what are you asking for? Right. You right. Know what right. I mean, are you asking, are you just asking for everybody to just take your arguments whole cloth without any criticism? Do you think people are being unjustly mean? Like, what is it like? Right. It's all incoherent. Yeah. Like it is with all these like Barry Weiss and Jordan Peterson and all of them. It's all incoherent all the time. 
Right. Um, all around me, people were folding. Not that project, not that story, not that controversy. <laughs> oh, boy. Just the people falling like flies. The reasons were simple, at least for me. Careerism, fear, a nagging sense that I did not know enough to, about any given controversy to weigh in publicly, though that never stopped so many yeah, others. Yeah, Jordan Peterson's not sold any books. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Joe Rogan. It's, it's funny, is it just under scrutiny, it doesn't hold like all the cancel culture, but Joe Rogan has the number one podcast in America. Jordan B. Peterson's New York Times bestseller. Right, 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 right. Like all these people are killing it. At a certain point, you just might have to face facts. You might not be, you might not have the appeal that you think you should. Well, I mean, in a in a certain sense, they're all kind of bemoaning the loss of like a consensus reality where people have to debate the same things and ideas. And you kind of see this with the Florida and Disney thing, whatever. Right. Like they want an entirely different experience. But at the same time, I don't think they do because they really like triggering the libs too. a lot of them have that impulse where they need to know that they've triggered the libs. So they would be very, very <clears throat> bored and unsatisfied if they really did live in the world that they wanted. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, true. Ultimately. But she said she's a liberal. I mean, this is an interesting. Obviously, this is a interesting case because she says she's a liberal. But I don't know. Maybe these I feel like that is another kind of trick that a lot of these people resort to. Like I was I was a liberal. You made me do this. I was a liberal until you made me not be. You one. brought me to this. <laughs> you brought me to this. I've abandoned everything and I say I believe in. Because you were a little bit mean to me on a platform one day. Right, right. I was putting uh, back in 2015. I was putting out my first book and then I was promoting that book. And then I was struggling to write a second book and I could not risk the per personal and professional blowback that might accompany stepping into the wrong lane. I'd long considered myself a liberal and a feminist, but I'd grown terrified of being banished for views I considered reasonable or at least worth discussing. I but couldn't, maybe. I couldn't, I couldn't face the professional blowback that, that, jd vance suffered from <laughs> i couldn't i couldn't face the professional blowback that caused jd vance's book to be a, a horrible failure he worked so I mean, hard on it it's just like if you want to write about these things then fucking write about them okay a no one is stopping you but b you have to understand that they are like controversial or whatever for a reason we live right. in a capitalist society that just erodes you know, all culture and sense of decency anyways on a daily basis. So, I mean, I don't know. You just, <laughs> I don't know. Um, let's see. Every day I scrolled the endless river of outrage in all caps, watching people express similar views to mine only to be pounced upon. One celebrity, one celebrated writers were pu being published I'm sorry. One celebrated writers were being publicly rebranded as ghoulish pieces of trash red pilled. The unwritten rule of the elite media tribe seemed to be this. You spout the company line or you shut up. And that's why midway through a career built on speaking out, I shut up. A writer's life is financially precarious. A single woman's life also precarious. There were the pressing matters of rent, exorbitant insurance and the occasional glitter hills. I simply could not gamble with my future. I'm not going to die in that ditch today, I often said to a like-minded friend when we spoke about these scandals, which was daily, both of us getting into a lather because the topics were so rich. Consent, complicity. But also, <laughs> but also like a lot of that stuff is like, why would you even want to weigh in? 
you know, well, like yeah, a lot he, of the yeah, cancelable yeah. stuff. Like I get like uh, I get a lot of the sex stuff because that's like different. You know what I mean? Like like you're saying consent and all those sorts of things. That's different. But there's also some topics that people will just like float out there. That's like it wouldn't make any difference one way or the other what you think about this. And you voluntarily just what it is. A lot of people like this have a contrarian streak that they just. They, they just get like a little dopamine hit from that contrarian streak. Cause I've been that way before. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, like yeah. at a certain point, it's like, you're right. You know what I mean? That's what it is. Ultimately. They like the little, Ooh, either <laughs> I have something to teach people or like, you know what I mean? That's what it is. It comes from a sense of superiority. Dude, you're right. You are absolutely right. 1000%. Oh my God. I used to be like that. Like, hell, I'm still like that. I make no, I mean, we, we both have that choices in the group chat all the time, <laughs> all the time. We both uh, have that streak for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody does to a certain extent. Well, not everybody, but maybe this is oh. why I was defending lead earlier. It was it was a what do you call it? Yeah, it was kind of like an ODD thing. You kind of like have a, like oppositional defiant disorder a little bit. You like, well, no, it's it was what do you call it when you're uh, not a cannard, a uh, charlatan. No, not a straw man. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, uh, red herring. No, I forget what I, I forget what it was. But I said the Leto stuff to set up this point. So I say, um, yeah, consent, complicity, moral trespass, power dynamics. This was the stuff of doorstop novels, and yet people were working it out in two hundred eighty characters dashed off in line at Trader Joe's. Privately, I worried I was wrong. <laughs> her career must be in the toilet if she's like like you know like doing that like oh liberal shop at trader joe's yeah 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 um i mean again like okay so the the thing is i guess the primary difference between me and this writer is that like i agree there are some things in society at this point that like you can't i'll tell you the primary difference is you won't sit your white ass down and listen She will. <laughs> or maybe that's what you both have in common. You both won't sit your asses. That's listen. true. We would not take several seats. All right. Definitely not. But like, I don't I mean, it's just like you're not going to convince anyone of anything anyways. And that's the thing about like talking about these controversial ideas or whatever. It's like if you want to write an impassioned essay about it, write an impassioned essay about it. Don't write an impassioned essay about how you can't write about it, because like Again, it's just more whining. And if you're going well, to. And it's also it, cowardly because it, it's like you really want to say all these things, but it has to be through the lens of, well, I can't talk about these things. So this yeah. is like how I'm going to talk about them without talking about. Them. And again, as someone who has written articles, I do understand the frustration of writing something and being tired of taken out of context or being taken in bad faith or being, you know, you know quoted out of context or whatever. But but if you are being honest with it, you won't have any you'll be able to look yourself in the mirror at the end of the day and said, like, at least I engaged with it. Honestly, like I wasn't out to hurt anybody or make society worse or anything. But blah, blah, like. Um, but I, I mean, but don't write an intention essay about not being able to do that, because, again, no one is stopping you. And apparently the per- they're paying pretty well for those types of essays these days. So, right, right, right. I mean, obviously, <laughs> like. 
I mean, this essay in and of itself is kind of a symptom of what she's talking about. How like everyone just has vapid conversations now and nothing is like blah, blah, blah. It's just like, yeah, that is, I guess, true when we're having conversations about how you can't talk about things rather than just having conversations. Stupid ass meta conversations about what you can and can't say. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, it is boring. Yeah, exactly. But like just taking those conversations and putting them in essay form is not any better. Um, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, probably I worried I was wrong. That was another reason for the science silence. Pro- perhaps I had internalized my own misogyny, whatever that means. Perhaps my thinking steeped in the classic liberalism of 90s slacker culture was unevolved. One of the great mistakes of our moment is being deemed on the wrong side of history. But has anyone read ahead in the book so they know how future generations will see this stuff? <laughs> I don't. That's a great question, Sarah. I would hope that people in the future aren't Nazis. <laughs> I really yeah. hope that's not the case. Holding out hope that they just uh, they do they just let that go. <laughs> um, uh, if so, they can can they please tell me so I can choose my stance accordingly? Gender, sex, morality, everything is guesswork. I grew up in a conservative part of doubt. That's the thing. It's just like all these writers, like even Joan Didion and stuff, like. Some writers did engage with these questions seriously. And like you go back and read some of your stuff, you know, like, oh, well, you know, they whatever. But like they have a larger body of work. I mean, like, yes, like some writers I do enjoy. You go back and read their stuff and you're like, okay, these are some pretty retrograde views on gender and stuff. But like there were also parts of the human condition that these books were trying to address. You know, it's like and as adults, I think most people should be able to say, well, we're not going to throw out the entire thing, but everything. I don't know. It's just I don't know. I guess social media thinks media makes people think, I guess, that everything is so high stakes. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Then she talks a little bit about herself growing up in conservative Dallas in the 80s, Um, blah, 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 blah. I understand such moral panics to be the product of generational hand-wringing and the religious right, which was then gaining ground. Um, She's talking about like the censor campaigns of Tipper Gore and shit. And so it came as an unwelcome surprise to watch the intolerance that my liberal friends once decried on the censorious right fled to our side of the street. Public scolding, all caps, hyperbole, a stubborn refusal to understand another point of view, intolerance. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) chill out, Sarah. Here's why I say that. They're currently waging a war on Disney. <laughs> and that ain't, it ain't the form, the formerly censorious Republican. Shut the fuck up. It's just like, <laughs> the, but her central kind of like the, the, the opening image to this article. It's sad, man. Again, it kind of shows you that it's like it provides a window on her interior life a little bit, because this goes to show you that she doesn't have any real meaningful or compelling conversations in real life you know what i'm saying that like she's got these very like surface level vapid conversations with people she meets on tinder and then she like gets online and sees people typing in all caps and stuff you know a problem with uh, the the problem with all this is loneliness yeah dude i mean that's enough that's the thing it's the erosion it's the erosion of like actual in-person community not like online community thing like i'm sorry like the actual no dude the thing is is like if i'm sitting in a room with someone who's saying something that I disagree with, I generally have to make a mental calculus and say, like, all right, 
I'm outnumbered here, like 10 to 1. I'm tr- not trying to get my ass kicked tonight. So d- generally, that's at the basis of most of my decisions. Am I going to get my ass kicked? Particularly in the <laughs> South, where you have to make a calculation every time somebody makes a racist joke. You're like, oh, God damn. <laughs> Everybody's but, had that moment. Here, you know, where it's like, hi, what but, do you I do mean, here? You know? I mean, but no, but seriously, like you just show that you disagree you don't laugh and you walk away it's not right. i mean you know what i mean it's just like it's not like the right yeah it's like it makes you because it's like you don't you want to do what's right but you also don't want to look like judgy or whatever like that but it's like you ultimately just do the right thing you just keep it moving but like when there's no real in-person community and most of your meaningful conversations around these topics happen with strangers online or people that you recently met you know vis-a-vis dating apps or whatever like it can feel that way so it's like the central problem of cancel culture is not that anybody wants to censor anybody it's just the community has eroded and you can't talk honestly in real life with people where nuance tends to get through there and all these different things yeah 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 you just have to do it online where there's a high probability of being misunderstood or whatever and then you have to be indignant that People are mad that you said that, well, we should have Nazis in the future, so we need baddies in the future. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, from 2015 to 2021, my private conversations were some of the best I've ever had. <laughs> I love that sentence, dude. I'm telling you, that went down like the cherry. What did she say now? <laughs> she said, from 2015 to 2021, my private conversations were some of the best I've ever had. It's like... Okay, did you lose a friend in 2021? Like, why are they suddenly bad? Who says something like that? That is just a weird sentence. Like, I don't know. I guess someone that's like in the dating pool. Okay, I'll I'll admit, you know, I've not had to date in a while. So it's probably pretty rough out there. Maybe that's partially what she's talking about. She did begin this with like a Tinder thing, right? Right, right. Dude, it's maybe maybe it's just. But it's not that I, I also I didn't mean to cast aspersions at like online dating or anything, or, or even this particular person's dating life or anything like that. It's just that I, I feel like she's upset at like a like a thing that's kind of uh, a condition of society now, and that like you know things just don't really happen organically in real life much in the same way anymore for a lot of people who have like sort of. You know, and all of us, you know, have it, to some degree outsourced our social to the Internet or whatever. Right. Yeah, you're right. Um, taboo subjects have always been delectable, but suddenly we were living in a time when so much that was once considered fair game for discussion, education, biological differences, the benefits of policing had become dangerous. Phone dates with writer friends in other parts of the country stretched to two and three hours as we worked out essays we would never write, toggling between outrage, despair, and armchair cultural analysis of the latest dust-up. Louis C.K. and Al Franken became Andrew Cuomo and Dave Chappelle. (laughs) Okay, there's a big difference between... Louis C.K. and Dave Sounds like y'all just gossip about pop culture. (laughs) Yeah, no, seriously. I hadn't Also, yeah, yeah. Also, uh... Dave Chappelle didn't. Yeah, there's yeah, there's a big difference between saying something in bad and doing something bad. Right. And again, yeah, like, yeah. I hadn't gossiped so enthusiastically since middle school. The Me Too movement, which felt like a necessary corrective when it began, was starting to feel like an arrow pointed at our own agency. 
couldn't always tell the difference between activism and protectivism, ballot critique and frivolous campaign campaign complaint. The notion that men were the ones who needed to change, not a bad idea, in my opinion, had a stubborn way of relinquishing women from the burden of their own choices and behavior. And though the area of expertise I'd staked out as a writer was the complications of women's independence and the nuances of sex and my own personal brand was blunt honesty. <laughs> oh, my God. The worst. You know what? I, I There's nothing I hate oh, worse nice. than when people say I'm a blunt person. I'm fucking blunt as shit. I'm just blunt. Like, I'll just listen. I don't. It's like, OK, cool. <laughs> that's, I don't think that's as what you think it is. <laughs> I could not bring myself to say one word one about these episodes in public. What was I a rape apologist, a bigot, some kind of moral monster? I mean, it's like yeah, the blunt honesty thing. It's like you, you should be honest with people if it really matters. You know what I mean? If you love them and they love you back and you're dedicated to improving each other's lives, you should be honest. Right. Um, but like as a like a a brand <laughs> it just means you're racist usually <laughs> yeah i'm honest <laughs> i guess i mean i don't know maybe that's why i held so fast to the younger man i'd met on tinder of all places early in our correspondence he'd expressed great affection for jonathan franzen it's a shame the internet hates him i messaged oh wait this isn't even wait 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 she said i messaged Oh, no. Okay. So she said early on in our correspondence. My bad. That was my bad. I missed that. Um, The Internet hates Franzen, he said. He was not an online creature, despite being 29. (laughs) Again, the the little details. (laughs) Online creature. Uh, He worked in a factory with his hands. (laughs) Okay, he did not work in a factory with his hands. Well, okay, has the this, inter- guy do- this guy doesn't exist. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is sad. This is really sad. This is in the Atlantic, though. And so I'm going to make fun of it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, if women wanted. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Well, has the Internet read the corrections? That's what he said. He said, has the Internet read the corrections? <laughs> I was charmed and this, would continue uh, to is, be. They, this is not real. This is. This is exceedingly sad now. <laughs> Dude, it's depressing. Uh, but once again, if you're an editor at the Atlantic, the blood is on your hands, my friend. <laughs> I was in a hipster bar and overheard. That's what it, it reeks of. It really does have that vibe to it. You're right. Uh, I was charmed and would continue to be. The younger man and I could talk in an, an antic way I'd come to find quite valuable. Was the gender gap was the gender wage gap a myth? What was trauma really? <laughs> what the fuck? What was trauma really? The fuck? It's kind of like the Supreme Court definition of porn. If you've had it, you know. <laughs> you know what it is. Yeah. If women wanted equality in the bedroom, why did so many confess to being turned on by domination and rough sex? Whoa! I was not writing much about this stuff, except in the journals where I always stowed my secrets. Every once in a while, I'd get ahead of steam about some scandal, and I'd start a big swing essay, only to bench myself a few days later. The whole thing kind of has this like libid. It has kind of has like this like sort of sexual, sort of like tone to it too. You know what I'm saying? I'd get, I'd start a big swing essay, only to bench myself a few days later. <laughs> 
it kind of has like a harlequin romance novel kind of vibe to it yeah that, yeah, yeah i kind of respect that <laughs> not gonna die in that ditch today that's italicized a couple of years ago, I was asked to conduct an interview at the Texas Book Festival with Malcolm Gladwell. He had a book coming out, Talking to Strangers, which included a well-researched chapter on alcohol and blackouts in the context of a college scandal I knew better than most, having met some of the people involved with the case. Often called the Stanford Rape, although the ghastly episode was, under California law at the time, considered a sexual assault and not a rape. It became famous after the young woman at the center wrote a blistering victim's statement that was published on BuzzFeed and went supernova. She eventually identified herself as Chanel Miller, but at the time of the statement's publication, it was anonymous and identified only the other key fig figure, a swimmer named Brock Turner, whose ubiquitous mugshot helped turn him into the poster child for every smug athlete, every entitled douchebag. So you remember this, right? Like, I yeah, feel like yeah. it kind of faded pretty quickly. Uh, well, I, I, this was like 10 fucking years ago now that I think about it. Yeah, he got a slap on the wrist for it and nothing really ever ended up happening to him. Right, right. And I don't I don't know the particulars of this case, but what's funny about it is Malcolm Gladwell's, uh, uh, you know, role in this. Miller's account is searing. She writes of walking, waking up in a hospital with no idea how she got there and only a handful of clues, a grim scenario that is nonetheless a familiar one for blackout drinkers like me. And then she added here, I have no reason to suspect that Chanel Miller is a chronic blackout drinker, but my research taught me that blackout drinking can be chronic in college environmentalists. It's just like, fuck you, dude. Just like, fuck you. It's just like, I mean, like, it's kind of insinuating that she it's it's this it's this mealy mouth kind of like cowardly way of sort of throwing some doubt and kind of making her look like a, a an unreliable um, narrator, sort of narrator right but at the same time giving credit to what she's saying it's completely fucking cowardly it's just yeah. like what it's just okay and i knew blackouts so intimately that i literally wrote the book <clears throat> okay uh yeah i mean it's just it, anyways it sympathized deeply with miller my book opens with an episode in paris where i came out of a blackout in the middle of having sex with a man i did not recognize that shook me. Blackouts might be the frequent neurological occurrence that also happens to be casually categorized as another Friday night. Let's get blackout has been a college rallying cry for many years, but the social, immoral, and criminal consequences can be grave. Okay, so the, the, the thing about this issue is like, yes, Did it she is a kill problem. somebody while she was blackout, and it's like, this is her, like, <laughs> I've just been like, no, listen, things can, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, it is a serious issue. I think it is a bad thing. Oh, yeah, totally. totally. So many yeah, people no, drink yeah, to blackout. No, not a lot of people have a healthy relationship to alcohol that drink, particularly when you're that uh, around that age. Right. And like doing it in a group of other men Prayers as a company, as clearly. a you're right as a as a sort of like, you know, societal ritual thing. Like, I think that that's going to lead to some bad stuff. But at the same time, there's also like norms that pe people take into those settings and that they operate on. And some of those norms are very bad. And I've just, you know, that's just a part of society that, uh, you know, I think you should be able to critique all the various parts of it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand why it has to be like, I don't know. It's kind of, it's just like kind of like moving the ball a little bit, you know what I mean? Or so like moving the goalposts a little bit. Um, I sympathize deeply with Miller. My book, oh, blah, 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 I already read that. 
Um, Miller's victim's statement evokes the confusion, the shame, the soul trespass of this harrowing moment. If you've never experienced a blackout, it might be hard to understand the icy wrongness of waking up to find a blank space where three hours should be. Um, Again, agree, blah, blah, blah. But the unsavory truth is that as someone who has done very stupid things while drinking, I also sympathized with Brock Turner. (laughs) What? The unsavory truth is that I sympathize with many of these men. Johnny Depp, Ryan Adams, Brett Kavanaugh, every booze-soaked dumbass who has been accused of doing or saying things he may or not remember. Uh, Dude, it's just like, okay, the Kavanaugh thing is like, like, okay, again, like the like all he had to do was say, yes, I did this as a young man doing this thing. This is bad. Society should, you know, we should address this as a societal phenomenon. Like, I apologize deeply for hurting and You know what I'm but saying? He did like, not do that. <laughs> right. That's the thing. Like, but like, this is the thing that all these writers do with this specific axe to grind. They all lump the same. They all lump, lump people with wildly different things into the same category. It's like, see what's happening to them? Like, and, and that really gives a pass. Like, imagine if you're someone like Kavanaugh or like Roman Polanski or someone and you're and you're like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Brett, Dave Chappelle, he's he's bad too. I'm yeah, just like, it give, I mean, it lets you off the hook. You know what I mean? It's fucked yeah. up. And I'm just imagine Roman Plants and Dave Chappelle. Yeah, he's bad too. Oh yeah, and you know it's you know. Anyways, just carrying water for assholes. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, like there there is nuance for sure. Like, um, uh. Every yeah, anyways, but being sympathetic to these fallen creatures, a trait instilled by literature, my mother and Oprah had been declared a sin. I toyed with the idea of writing a book about Brock Turner. Maybe it would get me into the New Yorker, but I was swiftly counseled away by my let's not die in this ditch partner in difficult conversations. Yeah, for for somebody whose mantra has been, I'm not dying in that ditch. (laughs) You're picking the just a dumb ditch. The dumbest possible ditch. <laughs> well, now it's kind of like you kind of are dying in the ditch. I mean, you, you, you kind of just gave away the ball game. These people are so dumb. Just Here's write the, the fucking essay about Brock Turner. Yeah. Don't you know what I mean? This is like this is like snitching on yourself. Like, yeah. come on, dude. Yeah, you can. Why? I think you can sympathize with yourself and others that might have a problem drinking or whatever. And certainly. Uh, yeah, I've done said dumb things drinking all that kind of stuff but like just because you did something you might not otherwise do while you're under the influence does not mean that you did not play a role in like hurting somebody else you know what i mean right right absolutely Um, in some cases irreparably right yeah yeah i mean humanity is a very complex thing like you can hurt people deeply and badly and spend the rest of your life trying to atone for that. But also, you know what I mean? Like work. I don't know. This, there's things there's obviously there are, there's nuance. Humanity is very complicated, but um, it seems like for the job Brett Kavanaugh was being hired for, he just could have been a little more fucking honest. Right, right. <laughs> and not such on this weird hissy fit. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I don't even care. I don't, it's the fucking Supreme Court. Fuck it all. It's all going to it's all burning anyway. Oh, bad. Yeah. But it's just like <clears throat> if you're going to fucking die on the hill, just be honest. 
Um, ours was not a moment to explore the other side. The fast typing egalitarians of the Internet age wanted social change, vengeance, a megaphone for their righteous anger. Going against the online outrage machine could be career science. OK, so anyways, I, I went through all that just to get back to the Gladwell. So I was relieved that someone of Gladwell's stature had broached the topic. He would take the hits like, OK, Malcolm Gladwell, like one of the most successful, popular media writers, podcasters, like media makers of all time. It's yeah. just like, OK, so like so. So you can say things to an audience. That's, not, that's the that's the brave truth teller. <laughs> the guy that sold more books than anybody else in the world. Right. It's just it's so yeah, he could, that's, uh, that's you cannot in the same breath say I would not be silent about my controversial take about like bad men <laughs> because I was worried about the social consequences and then just like point out that you're in uh, the same club as a veritable who's who of the biggest selling media figures on the planet. Right. <laughs> yeah. She said the reviews were mixed, but the hits didn't really come. Maybe because by the time the, the book came out during the cresting wave of Black Lives Matter, the culture had. Is moved this, away is this from- her trying to reckon with why her book didn't do shit? Maybe like it could part. be. It could be. Or another theory I had. Is, is she trying her- to gin up some like paperback sales or something like that? Maybe. Another theory I had was that she had a friend who in their private DM, they said all kinds of fucking crazy shit to each other. And like and now she's worried it could be subpoenaed. Or yeah, and they had like a falling out. Story. Yeah, she read the bad art friend story. <laughs> yeah, she's like, "Well, I got to get in front of this in case somebody turncoats me." But it's like in those situations, it's like it's like mutual destruction, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody's yeah. not going to dime you out if they're just as culpable. <laughs> well, um, or or she had a falling out with that friend. I, I don't know, because she said my pri- my private conversations between 2015 and 2021. It's like, yeah, it's like she had it <laughs> stored away with like a little label on it. Like, God, I don't, don't get out. <laughs> <laughs> the spicy stuff. She's got the little emoji with the the fuego sweat drip running down. Yeah. <laughs> um. Or maybe because nobody felt like tingling with Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> See, he skillfully reframed a rave culture narrative as a tragic misunderstanding fueled by the distortion of booze. I mean, again, I mean, I know we've talked about this on the show. Like, society is a very complex thing. But I think it's pretty indisputable that there is a kind of like normative patriarchal culture that I kind of feel like incentivizes and encourages predator type behavior. Right. Yeah. Like that's I feel like that's just part. So, I mean, well, you see, I mean, you see, like you can also kind of tell something with her frame of reference too. how prior to 2015 probably when we were in college like that type of sort of like drinking to excess and like the, the blurry lines of consent and those things was called hookup culture afterwards it's called rape culture yeah yeah, people, yeah 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 people, like when and it's not that like somebody just woke up one day and had a oh wow well maybe this isn't totally consensual it was never okay but like more people were talking about like the dimensions of consent and all those kinds of things and bring it to the public consciousness more. So right. it's like, that's funny that she lays that out. Cause that's about the same timeline. I would say 
Yeah, a lot of young people were done a disservice, like with the promotion of hookup culture, even in like our media products and everything else. And then one day you it's like, you know, you get further along and it's like, well, actually, um, you know, there's like some a lot of issues with consent with all that stuff, too. Yeah, it's um, but that's the weird thing about this article. It kind of feels like it was written like five or six years ago, too. I mean, so I don't know who who is truly the um, the ass here. Me for reading it. I mean, for, I'm, I share some of that blame. I'll, I'll take some of that on. Um, yeah, uh, Oprah had him on to talk about the book. And exactly two weeks later, she sat down with Chanel Miller, whose own memoir, Know My Name, had become a sensation. Oprah managed deep conversations with each of them, never pointing out that one account brushed uncomfortably against the other. I had to imagine that Oprah, queen of empathy, was having a hell of a time in this day and age. Backstage at the Texas Book Festival event, I chatted with Gladwell. I'm dying to talk about the Brock Turner incident. <laughs> imagine coming up, just telling someone that in a conversation. Man, I am dying to get, man, I'm just like chomping at the bit to get out there. Put me out there, coach. Like going to Malcolm Gladwell. Y'all put me out there, coach. I'm dying to talk about the Brock Turner situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I have a million things to say, but we'll talk about it after the event. Let's talk about it out there, he said, gesturing to the quarter that led him to a packed audience. And I gave him that look, the same look I'd given the younger man who asked why I didn't write about these things. Oh, I can't, I said, and it's hard to read Malcolm Gladwell, but his body language expressed something like, then what are we doing here? Perhaps he was disappointed in me or in an environment where writers save the best and juiciest controversies for private conversations. I just thought this was how it was done. We said one thing in public and backstage. We said what we really thought. Also, I'd fantasized about having lunch with him and then later being able to say that Malcolm Gladwell and I were friends. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck was that? A bizarre person. Man. That is a bizarre. Se- I didn't even notice it the first time. That was like a. It was tasty. <laughs> it was <a> nice little <laughs> treat. <laughs> um. But there would be no lunch after the show. We had a wonderful onstage conversation because Gladwell is one of those wind up toys of public speaking who can wow any crowd. It's just this article has just become about how cool Mouth <laughs> just how much of a pimp, just a player he is. He just got has the audience eating out of the palm of his hand. Oh, God. Outside on the sidewalk, he thanked me politely and sauntered off in the other direction. And I was left wondering why, indeed, we do these things. The selfie with Malcolm Gladwell I posted to Instagram did get a ton of likes, though. In the two years since, I have tried to drum up the courage to be somewhat, someone different from the writer I had become. <laughs> I just need to point out, everybody, this is in the pages of, I think, what is what? Isn't the Atlantic like the oldest magazine in America? <laughs> I think, yeah, that or Harper's, but they're both like extremely old. Yeah. Like almost 200 years old. Right. This rules. This is awesome. Think somebody, you think somebody that's like Cotton Mather's nephew was like pontificating about these things back uh, in like the early days of <laughs> colonies? I don't know, man. But um, yeah, this rules. Definitely. I don't know. Yeah. Were they right? <laughs> The Atlantic was started as an abolitionist magazine, I'm pretty sure. So actually, the Atlantic, well, I think it was probably more like a kind of liberal abolitionist one. I don't think they were like, um, you know, I don't think that they were 
I don't know. Theodore Stevens types guys or whatever. Yeah. In the two years since, I've tried to drum up the courage to be someone different from the writer I'd become, but the world kept exploding and I was only retreated further into my hidey hole. I listened to podcasts on which controversial figures interviewed controversial guests engaging in those delicious conversations I held so dear. I would thump the kitchen table. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or I would pause the recording to offer. I would thump voice. the kitchen table at the Joe Rogan program. Dad, this is sad. This person needs a friend. I feel bad now. Or I would pause the recording to offer my own opposing view. Like I was part of this conversation and not the passive listener dog. Okay, I gotta stop. That's, that's yeah. that hurts. <laughs> that might be the point I have to tap out, dude. I'm sorry. I didn't realize. I mean, I didn't think that someone would. I didn't think the Atlantic would post something this, like, embarrassing for the person. You didn't, huh? <laughs> <laughs> have you ever read Jesse Single? <laughs> Dude, that's their business model. They're fucking crazy. They're ruthless. Stay away from them. They won't let you fucking say anything. Yeah, sure. I'll let you have 3,200 words about. <laughs> as long as you reveal your personal... problem. <laughs> right, 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 right. As long as you reveal your personal life to be as sad and lonely and depressing as possible. In a compelling way that sadists like the Trillbillies will want to read oh, for content. This just bummed me out at a certain point. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's kind of bad, man. I mean, because honestly, we're the we're the bottom feeders that chose to read it. <laughs> we're, we're we're like <laughs> this in and of itself is a reflection of how bad off we are. Because, I mean, like, truly, you are what you eat. And if this is what we're putting in our bodies. Oh. <laughs> That's not very good. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, that just took a heart. I was like, oh, man, this is. Yeah. Last year marked a low point for me. Blah, blah, blah. Three oh. guys. <laughs> I grew so deeply uncomfortable, so royal with shame that I began plotting new careers. Oh, dear. In the end, I did what I have done for the past 25 years whenever I hit some crisis in my career. I kept going. I stayed on a podcast about the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders that I feared everyone would hate. And I braced myself to be popular to take the hits, which never really came. I surrounded myself with people who reminded me I was loved no matter what the firing squads on Twitter said. One of the common arguments made, at least about Me Too scandals, is that the men and women behaving badly rarely face legal punishment. No jail time. It's a fair point, but me personally, I choose a lot of gnarly punishments before I choose to lose the status and career I've built over more than two decades. Public shaming is the worst kind of shaming. Ask the Puritans. Jesus, motherfucking Christ, dude. Uh, so this is my resolution as I trudge from this dark place to speak out more, not to engage in call outs or scolding or eye rolls, which are not my style, but to express my own deep ambivalence, my own point of view on subjects that matter to me. Not because anyone asked for it, but because this is the career I've chosen. And if I'm not doing that, then what are we doing here? I suspect I will lose followers, blah, blah, blah. I know this. I'm finally ready to have a conversation with the world. <sighs> Man, I flinched all through the fucking last couple minutes of that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It didn't go down. <laughs> I threw it back up. Smooth in the, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it was fucking. It didn't go down. A wet burp. <laughs> 
That, I mean, that that really was written for us to read on this show and just demonstrate how truly low this medium can get. Oh, oh man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, uh, so anyways, uh, um, someone go. She needs a tender for friends. Someone get a, you know, just bowling alone, man. It's pretty rough. Well, uh, anyways, um, that probably about covers it for this week. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think we've done enough. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Well, um, thanks for listening, everybody. I don't know when this is coming out. If it's coming out before Saturday the 2nd, go to Al's Bar at 8 p.m. to see a show. Uh, Tom and I will be there, and uh, or at least I will be. Um, yeah. I may not be. All right. So go out to that show. It's $5 cover. You get three bands. Uh, Appalachiatari, Slut Pill, and Tenure. That's the band I'm in. If you want to go l- listen and learn all the songs before the show, you should do that. Um, but if not, I'll see you. Or wait, if so, I'll see you there. Regardless, I'll see you there. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that fucking article fucked me up, man. It was like drink. It was like huffing gas or something. It just got sad at the end, man. I was that like, was- God, I, I always hate like, I mean, it's you know, obviously she's a much more successful media person than we are, so that's not punching down. Yeah, but the loneliness made it feel like punching down. You know what I mean? Might be a paywall episode <laughs> might be a paywall <laughs> might have to be it felt it didn't feel good it was like it felt good it felt good till the end and then yeah. it was just like i talked back to podcasts i was like nah, I can't. oh man oh man all right well thanks for listening everybody uh we appreciate you listening and uh we'll talk to you next time peace out